Welcome to episode 137 of the Ask Chief Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing sets and reps for clients with a fat loss goal, the best uses for isolation machines, and how much isolation work to include for clients with hypertrophy goals. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What is up, achievers? It's <laughs> like hypertrophy. 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 <laughs> it really wanted, made me want to go go high. <laughs> um, any news since last week? Well, any news? you know, so much. So much is going on, actually. Yeah. Do you want to fill them in on the renovation? So yeah, we're totally renovating the gym. I don't even know if we have talked about I don't that think on we've this talked podcast. About it. I, I think we didn't want to, like jinx the process or something, yeah. but. Yeah, you want to go ahead and um, talk about so it? So we're doing complete renovations of the gym. We got into the space, the physical space that we're in about seven years ago, um, almost exactly. Yeah. And we, like when we first moved in, it was just an empty warehouse space. And so it was like dirty and dungeony and really kind of gross. And we turned it around very quickly with my the help of my dad, yep. who's not a general contractor, but you would have thought so when you yeah. were watching him work <laughs> doing that whole weekend. Um, and my mom was helping us as well. Like my whole family basically just like helped us put everything together. Um, but we had like 25 members at the time that yep. were about to start up with us. And we had 6,000 square feet to work with. So we were like, we can put anything anywhere. <laughs> like we just had so much space for the amount of people that we had coming in. And we had a decent amount of foresight with how we could grow into the space. But now that we've had consistently for the last few years, like over 200 members, we've just the same sort of issues have come up. So things like people are doing finishers at the same, like through our cl group class area and always having to like, kind of be like oh is, do you mind if I push a sled through here like in the middle of class and like warming up in front of the bathrooms and just little things that we realized the flow could just be so much better if yeah. we had been able to start start from scratch and so as we started to think about all these things one of our members serendipitously is a, an architect and was like hey have you guys ever thought about I think the thing that he actually started with was like putting plants in the ceilings <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he was like it'd be really cool if you like because we have cool skylights in the in the space he was like it'd be really cool if you had like some plants up there and we we're like actually how about we just completely renovate the <laughs> space instead and so we had a meeting with our team talked about like all of the different pain points that we have uh in the space and then met with the architect and went from there and it's been i mean we just kept on making change after change after change after we started to see all the possibilities of what we could do yeah and now it's just going to be a completely different space yeah i mean we've been planning this since what may june yeah. somewhere around there yeah um yeah so we've been in talks uh, with Jody Architect, that's the, that's the firm, and Joe is our member, yeah. um, for probably a good two or three months or so. And every week we, we met with them, we met with the team, just trying to figure out where our specific pain points are and what we really wanted to prioritize. Um, and then that, after we got some financing from the banks, it was all <laughs> systems go. And the contractors have been amazing. Oh my God, uh, so amazing. Been, I think they said they were going to be on an eight-week timetable, and yeah, it's it's mapped out to a T so far. Yeah, so literally everyone we told was like, well, yeah, but consider eight weeks to be like four months. And we were yeah. like, oh, we know, like it's probably going to be longer than they say, but they have been incredible. Been great. So yeah. yeah, it's been excellent. So yeah. uh, we'll post plenty of pictures once that comes up, but we're, we're, we're really excited with how it's turning out so yeah. far. Yeah. So exciting. Okay, cool. Should we get into the questions? Let's do it. So this is cool because we got um, sort of a list of questions from the same person. So we just decided to go with all of his questions. Yeah, they're all the same great. Time. So. Um, so this is from his Instagram handle is Hey I'm Stephen Kane, and he was actually on my team 
at our most recent Strong First certification that yeah. we taught in New York. If you um, don't know what Strong First is, it's a three-day kettlebell certification yeah. um, that we are both instructors for. Yeah. So, um, and Stephen was fantastic. We recommended him to assist at future certifications because he was a really, really Rockstar. great student and uh, instructor. So, very cool. Um, so, we're excited to have some questions from him. So, he said, hey, Lauren and Jess- Jason, <laughs> and Jessica, <laughs> apparently is your new name, um, <laughs> hope you're well. I have a few questions for the podcast. So, the first one is... When training a client for fat loss, is a strength training set and rep scheme or a hypertrophy set and rep scheme more effective? What do you have them do for cardio and how much of it? I sometimes struggle with wanting my fat loss students to start timed swings immediately because of how effective they are, but usually I take a much longer time to teach the student that deadlift, hike pass, and dead stop thoroughly about three to four months of seeing them one time a week before consecutive swings. Might be too conservative, but that's been my approach so far. Okay, so there's a few different questions within this question, yeah, but let's, let's sort tackle of the tackle first the part. first part, yeah, yeah, and then we'll get into the kettlebell swing part. So they're talking. Uh, so he's talking about um, whether or not to use more of a lower rep rep, rep range, which is typically coincides with strength gains, mm-hmm. or should uh, he opt to use a little bit of a higher rep scheme, like eight to twelve reps, which is more typically, a, uh, you know. Uh, coincides with hypertrophy and which one is better for a fat loss person. Um, And really, both rep ranges are actually great. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's kind of really more your preference here. So you could conceivably follow, let's say, a 5 by 5 strength plan with uh, certain lifts, or you can also follow a... You know, a three by ten or a three by eight sort of strength training regimen. The main thing that we're looking for is week in and week out, trying to increase the weights or increase the repetitions or just doing something in order to spur progress, right? right. So that's the big thing. We tend to opt for more of the higher rep ranges, um, just because we like to. It takes, especially for someone who's a little bit more beginner, it takes some time and some repetitions before they start to really get into the groove of the movement, right? So if we stop someone right at five squats, maybe they haven't really gotten the groove down, and it just kind of like stifles their momentum, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we really like to go with three sets of 10, maybe three sets of 12, all the way up to three sets of 15, just to get as many reps as we can in one set, just to um, help them just rehearse that movement pattern as much as possible. So we like to go that way, um, just from our perspective. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, a lot of people can get bogged down with the exact right set and rep scheme for the different, it's almost like with like heart rate variability, the same thing, like being in the fat loss zone and all this, like everything kind of has been, um, picked perfectly with scientific re- research. Like yeah. d- there's been research done that says like, okay, this is the best rep range for, for strength. This is the best rep range for hypertrophy and yeah. this is for fat loss. And so then we get so worried about like, well, if we go into, if we dip our toes into one of the other ones, like are they just all of a sudden going to get huge? Like yeah. cause we're in hypertrophy <laughs> now. And so I don't think that like based on our anecdotal <laughs> research, which has just been 12 years of training people, it's very, very hard to just like put on a ton of muscle mass um, by doing sets of 10 to 12 at moderate weights. Yes. Right. Yep. Um, that it, that those ranges are also with like a lot of years of experience and then lifting really heavy in those rep ranges and in order to actually eating the right way. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors. Obviously nutrition is a huge factor in anybody who has a fat loss goal as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So we, we more so steer our training and our like rep ranges into the direction, more of the direction, kind of like you were talking about, Jason, of kind of setting them up for success for a long-term consistent gym routine. Yes. And so by teaching them, by giving them higher rep ranges in the beginning, they learn those movement patterns. They feel more confident, more comfortable. They're 
going to come into the gym more frequently because they know what they're doing. And like those are sort of the kinds of things that are going to eventually spur fat loss. It doesn't really make a difference if you're doing eight versus 10 reps necessarily. Yeah, yeah totally. Absolutely. Um, you know, another reason why we like to initially gravitate towards those higher rep ranges, uh, at least initially, is um, when going for, let's say, only five reps at a time, like you need to use a certain amount of load in order to challenge the system enough where they're like after five reps, you know, they feel sufficiently challenged. And a lot of people just aren't ready for that kind of percentage of load just yet. Right. And so we like to opt for a slightly lighter percentage and then adding more reps um, in the eight to 12 rep range. And then from there, you also get a little bit of that sort of like quote unquote burn, right? So you get a little bit of that feeling of your muscles burning a little bit and they're actually working. And, you know, it seems silly, especially to us as trainers, but it really does help with the buying process mm -hmm. of, okay, I just did 12 squats. My legs are burning. My legs are shaking a little bit after the workout is done. I feel accomplished and I actually did something. Whereas when you're doing sets of five, um, sets of three, like more in the lower rep ranges, you might not quite feel that burn. It's more of like a, a nervous system fatigue kind of sensation. And there's there might be just a little bit of a disconnect where, you know, uh, the person, the people that you might be working with, they might be inundated with hit training, you need to be sweating in a puddle, you need to be just totally dying after your workout sessions. We can kind of meet in the middle a little bit, get them feeling a little bit of a burn, a little bit of fatigue. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I think that there there's a lot to say for for just experimenting or exploring different rep ranges as yes. you go throughout the yeah. process. So we we never really stay, even if somebody's goal is consistently fat loss, let's mm -hmm. say, we, we still don't just stay in the st in the same rep range forever yeah. because that that's going to eventually stall their progress. Exactly, so we yeah. actually do have them go down to like, uh, we have them still test like a max out day if they're interested. Mm -hmm. And because we do want to get them stronger as well. And so yeah. we do want to make sure that they're getting into some of those once they've become more proficient in the movements, they're getting into some of those lower rep ranges where they're really working heavy on a main lift. So maybe a squat or a deadlift or a bench press. Yeah. But then we will still use accessory exercises that are more in the eight to 10 to 12 rep ranges yeah. after the fact, but kind of feeling out those lower rep ranges to start to spur more strength gains, I think is actually really important for a fat loss client as well. Definitely. Um, and that sometimes also makes them realize that th they just, the feeling of getting stronger, I can speak for myself, I guess. I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself and many of the people I've worked with. The feeling of getting stronger is so much better than the feeling of like losing a pound yeah. <laughs> on the scale. And so eventually they're going to start to feel like, whoa, maybe my goals are actually to squat 135 pounds, not necessarily yeah. to weigh 130 pounds or whatever yeah. it is, you know? And <laughs> so they start to reevaluate what their goals are sometimes as you are able to introduce them to more things and kind of open up their eyes to other possibilities besides just what they look like because yeah. eventually that starts to become less and less important as they kind of get more and more into the feeling of being strong. Yeah, totally. Um, I actually like what you mentioned uh, before about we might start with lower rep ranges early on in the session and then gravitate towards higher rep ranges towards the later end of the, sec uh, of the session. Yeah. Uh, so in the same session, we might experiment with different rep ranges. Right. So it's definitely not um, – just like you were saying before, we're not totally married to – 
one rep range or another. It's important to explore both and make sure you kind of like alternate between both or use them both at the same session. So yeah. there's nothing magical about the different rep ranges as long as you are consistently just honoring the principles of progressively overloading your body. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. And then should we touch on, he mentioned kettlebell swings and as a like outlet, as a cardio outlet. Oh yeah. And so he was saying like, how much cardio do you do with somebody who has maybe a fat loss goal? And then in that same sort of realm, knowing that kettlebell swings are such a great cardio and strength outlet, right? Yeah. Like it's sort of that, that beautiful combination of, of definitely getting your heart rate up, but also definitely still building strength because you're swinging something heavy. Yeah. Um, how long do you take to introduce that exercise when you know, like if they could just do this right now, it would be <laughs> such a great effect, right? Yeah. This is actually perfect because you already touched a lot on this earlier, but with someone who is opting for more of a fat loss goal, just like everything you talked about before, we're just trying to set them up in the long term for success, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to make sure that the big rocks are in place, which is, first of all, just consistency and enjoying the process. Uh, number two is strength training. Um, these aren't in order. Three is um, is nutrition. And these sort of like finishers at the end of the workout are kind of like the last – like towards the end of the priority list or yeah. like maybe the top of the pyramid, I should yeah. say. They should be kind of like – towards the end and so yeah. you can do the craziest hit sessions at the end of your workout and they're perfectly planned and perfectly programmed they're going to have less of an impact than you think if the other markers aren't set in place first right um, so i like that you let off uh, the discussion overall by going there and then now we can talk about a little bit about kind of like how to progress swings and like what we actually do for finishers yeah yeah so what we do for fin for finishers for like cardio is it's typically only five to ten minutes max max right? yeah um we just because we do really think that for most goals, for most people with most goals, uh, unless obviously they're running a marathon or doing something that's an endurance event, they need to be training outside of the gym for that. Yeah. They really mostly need to be building more strength and yeah. practicing good movement patterns and things like that. And so that's the focus of the session. And then the last five to 10 minutes will focus on getting some, getting their heart rate up and getting some cardio in. And so early on, what we'll do is we'll do very self-limiting cardio type exercises. So things like airdyne sprints or battling ropes or rowing machine, like things that you can quickly teach form on and yep. then just kind of let them go. So then they can feel like I'm working really hard and I don't, I'm not being held back by my trainer. Right. right? Yeah. Um, because that can be the difficulty with swings is that you're like, well, we're going to eventually do swings, but right now what we're going to do is a kettlebell deadlift for your finisher. And they're like, well, that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually more so progress the swing within the strength training sessions from month to month. And then eventually a finisher will be swings, but we don't put a put swings as a finisher until they've really become proficient at the movements that lead up to it. Yeah. So we may actually put a hike pass or a dead stop swing as a power development exercise in the beginning of their program. So it will be a warm up in the beginning. And then maybe their first month that we want to start introducing swings, we'll do a hike pass as their power development. Yeah. So they're just practicing taking the kettlebell from the floor, swinging it behind them between their legs and back to the floor and maintaining a good neutral spine and good posture and alignment while they do that. And they do that for the next three to four weeks. And then we add a dead stop swing where we do a hike pass, stand up and let the kettlebell float out in front of them, hike it back between their legs and back to the floor. Yeah. And we do that for a month. And But this isn't their finisher. So they don't feel like, why aren't I just swinging? It's like, this is practice. You can call it power development. You can call it uh, movement practice. You can kind of name it whatever you'd like, but yeah. use it as a way to practice the movement 
and then once you get to the finisher or once you want it to be a finisher then you can just go right into the swings and you don't have to do a lot of teaching at that moment yeah yeah um, the way we structure, Lauren just touched upon power development. The way we structure our sessions are we start with a movement prep, which is our warm up basically, and then we go into power development. That's its own section. And then we go on to strength moves and then the finisher at the end. Yeah. If you don't do any sort of power development, I mean, you can sneak it in anywhere within the strength training session. Yeah. So you can do, let's say, a set of 10 kettlebell deadlifts and then follow it up right with uh, a set of five hike passes yeah. in order to get your practice in. So that's perfect. Um, but yeah, we definitely agree with you. We opt to go go for more of a, a longer term approach with going for the kettlebell swing. Yeah. Um, but it makes a lot of sense where he's a little bit conflicted of, wait, this is the quote unquote best fat burning exercise mm-hmm. um, there is because of the strength benefits as well as the cardio benefits. Um, but yeah, it, that does not outweigh the potential risks of someone going through swings under fatigue breathing heavy and trying to make sure that their back is staying flat and they're doing all the right things. So um, we definitely make sure that we set up a really good foundation first so that they can sustain their form throughout four sets of 10, five sets of 10, longer than that for swings as their finisher. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. Great question. Awesome. That was a great question. So now we're going to move on to question number two. So this one is, do you find isolation machines to be useful for anything besides hypertrophy? So machines in the gym like the um, leg extension machine or the like chest pec fly machine or those. those. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I do do think that they are very important for hypertrophy. Um, I will say that Early on in my journey, I kind of like dismissed those machines and I was like, all you need to do is bench, squat, deadlift, and everything <laughs> will be fine. Um, but my actually, my bench started to peter out pretty quickly. And it was because I realized that I wasn't, I didn't have quite enough awareness with uh, my pecs and my delts and just kind of like how to actually isolate them in order to get them involved in the bench press in the first place. So it was basically turning into a triceps exercise for me more. Uh, more often than not and so by incorporating a little bit more of like the pec deck and more of those cable crossovers my bench started actually increasing because my pecs were actually able to um, enter the conversation with the bench (laughs) press Um, but yeah going away from hypertrophy there's a lot of benefits in terms of i would say injury prevention and injury uh rehabilitation um the leg extension machine is often kind of like uh, poo-pooed because yeah it is a very non-functional movement um you would never ever be in just an everyday life situation where you just extend it <laughs> just at your knee joint. So it seems a little bit silly, but there's a lot of application in terms of someone recovering from uh, knee pain, whether it's an ACL tear or whether it's tendonitis, to have those like little micro loading directly at the knee joint. There's it's a lot of uh, there's a lot of merit there. Um, so we see a lot of merit there. Um, you know, isolated work. It could be like um, glute bridges, um, clamshells, uh, mini band walks. These are all great for hip health, right? Mm -hmm. Or we see people doing rotator cuff work with cables or bands. um, And no one really makes fun of that, right? (laughs) But it's all the same thing. It's all just like isolated work in order to help boost the potential uh, preventative injury properties that your uh, body has. Yeah. So I I think it's there's a lot of merit for those exercises in terms of injury prevention. Yeah. And also, I mean, even what you just let off with was talking about how uh, an isolation exercise actually enhanced one of your more Functional exercises. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. It, it is possible, too, that by isolating certain muscle groups, it doesn't just work on – you weren't just trying to build your pecs. I mean, you were. <laughs> <laughs> a little <laughs> Let's bit, Let's be yeah. honest. You were. <laughs> but also, it was helping out a lift that you were trying to get stronger in. So yes. there were multiple Good benefits Good indirect – uh, yeah. yeah, strength benefits there. Yeah. You know, another, another um, area where we do – 
we don't have a machine for this, but we do isolated calf work for yeah. our runners, our hikers, or more endurance people. Because we know that when people, after, let's say, their off-season, they start running back up again, their calves just aren't used to quite the volume and impact. Mm-hmm. And so just doing some calf raises, single leg calf raises, just helps to prepare their calves, obviously, as well as their Achilles, just for the ensuing running season. Yeah. So that's another way where isolated training helps out a lot. Awesome. All right. And then the final question is, if you have a client who is working on hypertrophy, how much time do you spend programming and teaching isolation exercises versus compound exercises? And do you use machines to supplement their kettlebell and barbell work? So actually, it's kind of similar to what we were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe it's the same answer. Yeah. Um, I would say if we wanted to like split it up into percentages, probably like 85% of the time we're trying to do some sort of compound compound. D type of movement. And then 15% is usually during the warm-up or as kind of a superset to the strength exercise um, are a little bit more isolated in nature. Yeah. 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 Anything else beyond that? (laughs) I don't think so. Yeah, I realized that we were kind of answering both questions at the same time with the last answer. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, we typically – I think we also – tend to see more more and more people and I think it might just be the message that we're putting out into the world that like aren't so focused on what their body's going to look like after they're working out with us and are more focused on I want to be healthy I want to be consistent I want to feel better and so we actually I have I'm trying to think of the last time I had somebody come in and they're like I want to I want to work on hypertrophy or like I want to work on like even fat loss gets said less and less to us right now, which is so cool. And I hope that is sort of the way that things are really going in the world and not just our little bubble. Um, And who knows, maybe it's both. Um, Which is, I I think is a testament to social media. Like a lot of uh, social media, I mean, obviously there are a lot of like, um, you know, figure and bodybuilding people on social media um, and that's great as well. But there's a lot more people just like, doing really amazing like feats of strength and cool things with their bodies and it just goes to show like what your body is truly capable of and people are like oh i want to do that snatch i want to do that kettlebell clean i want to do that sort of exercise and it just again yeah it takes away from just purely on what your body looks like yeah and more about what it can do like what you can learn and what you can do and how you can play and all yeah exactly so it's pretty cool yeah um yeah and i think just really the overall kind of like the gist of everything that we just talked about was there's no like firm answer with especially with the rep ranges you want to try to explore both as often as possible um making sure you do it strategically obviously you don't want to just do one day high rep range one day lower rep range just constantly yeah. doing that um doing that strategically and just honoring basic principles of progressive overload and you will do fine yeah yeah I feel like our podcast could be renamed to It Depends. <laughs> so I feel like we say that for almost everything. Yeah. But it's just true. Yeah. So. Cool. All right, Jason, did you bring me a story yeah. to make my heart yes, sing? Because I I've been you bringing a story. them. I've been bringing them every week. I brought you a story. Let me try okay. to pull it up. I'm so excited. Um, this is really cool. I, I guess this isn't really a story. This is a service that the U.S. Postal Service is actually doing. And basically... What it's doing is that they're collecting mail that's uh, delivered to a specific address, which is, uh, I think it's like 123 Elf Road in the North Pole. (laughs) If they get that address written on a letter, then they put it into a different category. And then they basically sift through it. And I think they type up the letters or they scan the letters online to a specific website that they have set up. Um, I don't have it right now, but you can definitely just search for it. Let me just look for it, actually. Um... It's called USPS Operation Santa, which is awesome. 
and the website is sorry computer's going slowly actually yeah, it's usps operation santa and basically what they're going to come out with is a list of all the different letters and then people or families can go in select any number of letters that they want and purchase that gift that Aww. they asked for for uh you know people with low income families and all that who might not have the means to actually purchase those gifts you can go in and actually purchase it for them so i thought that was super cool That's so, so not cool. a a story per se but a service that uh hopefully that some of you could uh just take a look at and see if uh, it would interest you and make some people feel good yeah usps operation santa.com but i thought that was super cool that's so cool is it up and going well people probably aren't kids probably aren't writing the santa quite yet yeah it is live (laughs) but yeah there aren't any letters just yet yeah yeah that's so cool. keep an eye out for that super cool yeah awesome all right well those are answers to steven's burning questions for today thank you so much for sending in a batch that made it uh very easy for us to sift through so um thank you for sending questions and if you have questions of your own uh you can always dm us at achieve fitness boston on instagram or you can always email us at info at achieve fitness boston.com and if you like the podcast would you please leave us a review yes anywhere that you listen to the podcast i always ask for itunes but really anywhere you listen to the podcast would be wonderful and until next time high fives and positive vibes